hello, hello. Welcome, filmmakers, to the Intuitive Filmmaker Podcast brought to you today by the Black Magic Collective. Black Magic Collective is a filmmaker group created for and by filmmakers with a focus on education, inspiration, and networking at all levels of the industry. Our current webinars not only work to achieve these goals, but also promote inclusion throughout the filmmaking process. We have a ton of events going on. Please go to blackmagiccollective.com and see what's coming up. Thank you to our sponsors, Black Magic Design and Sigma, for always supporting us indie filmmakers and making things like this possible. Um, I am your host for today. I, I'm your host always, I guess, Jen Page. Um, I'm super excited. Today's our final film team talk of the year. And we have the one and only Dan Myrick, who you know best from Blair Witch Project, but he has a new creepy in another way project called Skyman. And let's welcome one and only Daniel Myrick, writer, director of the film, and the two stars, Nicolette Sweeney and Michael Sale. Thank you guys all for joining us. Um, this film is, the, basically this film is pretty much like a lot of films that uh, Dan has had his hands on where you're wondering the whole time if it's real or not real. And even though I'm like, I know it can't be real. I know it's not real. I know it's a made up. I know he wrote it. And then I'm like, no, it can't. Like you guys act so well in it that I'm just doubting myself the whole time. Um, what does the prep look like for a film like this from a director and an actor standpoint? How do you guys bring this to life? I mean, for me, it was kind of a weird kind of evolution for me because I wasn't sure exactly how to approach the, the, the film itself in the early days when I was writing the script, whether it was going to be a found footage or a straight up narrative or some kind of hybrid in between. And I didn't want to bring too much comparison to the, you know, to Blair Witch with regards to found footage. And um, I also wanted to have some creative, I guess, freedom that being the so-called documentarian in the, in the, in the film would allow for me because I'm basically telling Carl's story, but also through my own perspective as a filmmaker. So, um, so it allowed me some flexibility there, but, um, as a director, I mean, the biggest, one of the biggest things for me is casting is making sure you've got, you know, hyper talented people that not only have the chops to act and all these, like what I feel is super high level kind of intellectual, uh, processes, I think, to the acting process, but also are just decent people committed that that are easy to work with. And unfortunately, I didn't find any of that with these two below. But um, but uh, but you're so in it, then you can't recast. You know, it was all my directing props or chops that really kind of pulled it out of them. Yeah, right. It didn't exist though at all. It was like <laughs> nowhere in. And GM was like, okay, I'm gonna make it exist in you and then uh, somehow pull it out. So really talented director. <laughs> I mean, Nicolette, you're absolutely magnetic on screen. I'm sure you've gotten the comparisons before to certain A-list Hollywood people like Emma Stone. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> have that thing. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a, that, that actually in some ways for me, watching the movie drives it through your character. You're, you are us watching the movie, you know, like as right. we're watching. Um, right. And then Michael, right. It's almost like I'm. I'm hoping that you're not like your character in real life. Like I, like the whole time you're watching, you like, this guy's really bizarre. Well, I, you know, when I would talk to Dan about it, he would say, "You are Carl." You know, but you are Carl. And I was like, "Well, what? What about this part right here?" No, don't worry about it. You are Carl. And then I was like, "I'm just gonna take it as a compliment." <laughs> Carl is you, and you are Carl. <laughs> Now, I think I think when you're casting and you're looking like I had a slightly different idea of the character profiles. Um, 
And and uh, what but what I wanted to avoid with Carl was casting someone that was like the straight up whack job, you know, out in the desert that's seeing aliens in his sleep and that sort of thing. I really wanted Carl to be a smart guy, um, a little bit of an outlier, sort of, um, you know, uh, got a little bit of Asperger's going on, I think, which Michael played really, really well. Um, but someone you can sympathize with that you just didn't think was was a nutcase that you start to really get into his process and, and really empathize with his, with his goal and his, and his need for redemption, his need to reconnect with his father, his need to find answers and which we all kind of share, you know, and of course with, with the Gina character, Nicolette just brought such a wonderful um, sense of like authenticity to the role that, you know, there's always one character in the movie. That's like you, you had mentioned Jen, that there's, it's the audience character, right? And she's like, saying the things that we're all kind of thinking about her, her brother and, and, uh, and they just both played it in such a, such a sublime way that it wasn't overdone. It was, there was a real genuine chemistry there that, that they developed. And, um, and I was just uh, so unbelievably fortunate to have these guys, you know, in these roles. How do you, as a director, how do you pull off? I mean, this is the most natural you'll ever see actors being and while also being engaging. Like how do you get your actors to that point of just being completely conversational without I think trying? A lot of it is, I mean, there's a lot of films and these guys I'm sure will attest. I know I've been on these kinds of projects, but they don't, I mean, the film process doesn't in a lot of ways, doesn't allow for that. It doesn't allow for you to really sort of just, dive in to the to the roles like you know early in the days that we the three of us would go out to the desert and workshop some scenes just to kind <laughs> of get to know each other better and talk about the characters and get in the in the vibe of the of the of the atmosphere and and um and I wanted them to get to know each other better so they had that comfort level as brother and sister and um in most films someone allow you to do that they just don't yeah. give you that kind of time and that kind of freedom and we had the luxury of being hyper low budget where we could kind of go out and, you know, also a testament to their commitment to the roles that they said, yeah, let's hop in the car and go out and do some stuff. And so by the time we were shooting actual principal photography in the desert, you know, we had already done scenes and Mike and I had been to a couple of festivals. And um, so we had been work working those characters and dialing them in all the way up to that point. So by the time we were in principal, they were already sort of in the zone. So, um, so that just takes time, it takes time and, and, and evolving the characters and my directing style. And, and I like to try to keep a comfortable set. So everyone feels trusting in each other and, and that we're all in good hands with each other and, um, and just allow the actors to do what you hired them to do. I mean, you, 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 you find really, really good people and let them do what they do and not, and try not to get in the way. On that note, um, Lisa would like to know where does Dan cast from? Do you use any of the casting sites to find your? People? Actually, I use Backstage um, West. Um, we got like thirty-two hundred inquiries through Backstage, oh and, a, and a lot of online submissions. And um, and then we held open calls in LA. Um, I think we did like four or five open calls, and um, and I think I think I think Nicolette, I. I kind of land, I liked you first and I think you were often about somewhere and then Michael came in and I really liked his look and his vibe. And then I, I had you read that 
kind of Carl's last will at the end where he's saying goodbye to everybody. And you did that right to camera. And I knew that was, you were, you nailed it. And then I think I called Nicolette later. said, can you come in and read with this guy? And oh no, and, yeah, it was great. I yeah, was, I was, you guys did your thing together. I said, this, this has got to be it. You know? I love it. I love it. Um, I knew so something was up when, when they called Nicolette back and they were like, can you wait for a little bit? And I was like, okay. Yeah. I ended up being there for three hours. Because so much is about you might find your right lead, right? But then every all the cast has to orbit around that lead, right? So you've got to believe that whoever you cast opposite the lead would be his sister, that you has that same look and physicality and that, you know, uh, um, chemistry. And it's just something that um, you just have to go through a lot of people to find. And, and uh, fortunately, these guys really had it. I yeah. think she got... With Nicolette, you were very, um, most actors, actresses would not put themselves on camera without makeup and just being like, here's who I am. And right. I think that that added to the, 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 the um, I don't want to say the rawness of your character, but it was that, but it added to the, us being sort of sucked into the reality of, that you're, that you're a real person. Right. Um, is that hard? Was that hard for you or were you all about it? You know, I feel like that's, my dream as an actor, like what I am most attracted to is the rawness. And I feel like, like Dan had mentioned, it's so hard to find that, especially if you're, you know, doing theater in a small town, maybe that's one thing, but if you're really making this a life for yourself, it's such a rarity. So for me, I felt like Gina also, I just really identified with her and I really, that is 100% my ideal. And even in the audition, I'll never forget, I ran in and and I think they were all eating out, or eating in and out. And it was like kind of a last minute thing. And I hadn't read the script and I felt so excited. I love Blair Witch, I love Dan's work. And I kind of ran in and I, oh my God, I, I probably looked a mess. And me and Dan just very quickly um, kind of got rid of the script. And I, to this day, that's, the most incredible audition I've had because it just really allowed me to see if, okay, is this someone that I truly identify with and, and can kind of tell her story. So I was all about it. That being said, when I came back, my family was like, what happened to you? Because <laughs> in the desert, you're, you know, like, I think there was like an extra layer of dust that just, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask about these locations because you had insane locations. Like, did you find like the, the storage containers and all that? Was that, tell me you found that or is that all set design? No, that was, that was all set design there. There we, I've got a, a, a dear childhood friend of mine. His name is Ray Warren and his wife, Monica live out in mm -hmm. Apple Valley. And um, so way early on, I was out there and I've been wanting to shoot something in the desert for a while. And, um, wrote the script, you know, drove my RV out in the middle of the desert and wrote the script out at um, Joshua Tree National Park and hung out with Ray a little bit. And he showed me some locations and we found this one area and it had a an empty container on that, that spot. And um, I said, this would be a good place to shoot this movie I'm thinking about. And so, you know, a year later, when we finally got the money raised and Joe Rustano, who was the producer who helped raise the money and, and, and really uh, did a great job for us. Um, when time to come shoot, the, someone had stolen the container. 
So now it's just an empty <laughs> piece of desert. Like, of course, it's been sitting there for probably 20 years. And by the way, we want to shoot our stupid movie. It's someone steals it. So Sean Carroll, our production designer, um, and with Ray's help, we rented two new containers. And Sean oh basically <laughs> from the ground up totally designed production designed the whole set out there and did a fantastic job for us. It was Skyman. He didn't want you to film and tell the story. I know. Someone beamed it up. I don't know. But it's like, but Ray said, hey, man, the, the, the thing's gone. I'm like, what? I think it's another testament, though, to what you guys created because I, honest to goodness, was like, I, I felt like somebody actually lived there and you guys found it. Like, that's a, your kudos to your production designer. Uh, he was amazing. He totally yeah. got the script, totally got the movie. And, you know, great production designs in the details, right? You see all the little details he put in that, that, you know, expresses a family history there, of course, Carl's father. And um, so you see, you know, when you look at the the little details of, of, of that, that set, you know, um, there's, there's a history to every item sitting there. And, and Carl even points it out a little bit about the oven being 25 years old and dad got it at a garage sale or whatever. So everything there has a history, the big wheel out front and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, luckily for us, I mean, being out in the middle of Apple Valley, there's so many homes out there in the middle of nowhere. Their yard is just full of stuff. So Carl basically had a prop shop on every corner that he could just run and pick up stuff. And wow. so we were able to get a lot of really stuff pretty cheaply to, to kind of populate that set. A lot of times filmmakers ask about how they you know, want to learn about prep and what you do for prep. Do you make mood boards to get your production designer on the same page? Yeah, mood boards are real important for me. I, I I think it's very helpful to kind of convey a visual aesthetic of the movie and sort of what you're thinking of in your head about the lighting and the kind of the tone, the visual tone of the film. And um, so, and it's real easy now with the internet, you just go on and type in whatever, desert, whatever, and then you just grab all these great shots. And it really quickly conveys to even the actors and producers and everybody else sort of the look of the film and the kind of the feel that you're going after. So it's very helpful for me. I would assume Michael, when you're in the, when you're in those locations, it only helps with your performance. Oh yeah. I, I remember walking into the container and seeing all the pictures, you know, pictures of my family and, and uh, it really, you know, little Nicolette, you know, it, it really helps to tell the story you, you, you know, you can, uh, you visualize all the little things, all the all the little pieces, you know, and it it does really help to to tell that whole backstory, and um, just you know, I would go in there and hang out in there because it was it was comfortable, and uh, it just you really got that sense of how they lived out there, how they could live out there, um, how they might spend their time, and and that really informed a lot of stuff for sure. Right. Other things our audience always asks are uh, the typicals. What camera did you use? What did you edit on? What did you color in? Can you give us some of that geeky um, tech stuff? I We shot on a Blackmagic uh, Ursa 4.6K uh, Mini and uh, with the set of Zine lenses for sort of one of our main cameras and also on a Sony A7S II for a lot of the night stuff and kind of low light stuff. So... Um, and then ultimately edited everything on Resolve, which was, wow. I mean, knock on wood, was absolutely flawless. And I'm not saying this because I'm a big Blackmagic fan, but it was like, it, it was probably the easiest post process I've ever had. And I've owned post houses in LA 
And as far as just kind of like seamless um, from beginning to end, it, it was it was a really nice experience in the post life because there's always hiccups and there's always you know round tripping nightmares and all that. Never had it, didn't have any of that with this. So it was really um, a nice easy process for us on on both acquisition and on post. Yeah, and we, not that like again, not pushing a product, but I think I don't use Resolve. I'm actually a Final Cut user. I, I love Final Cut X. I but I, I'm yeah. trying to learn Resolve because of that sort of like you edit, then you get the the next tab. You know, you're you're doing effects, or whatever. You're doing your sound. You're doing your color. I can't. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to hear that. Did you so? So here's the thing about your your film is so hard to read. I like I want I need to I'll get all the nitty gritty. <laughs> in my when I'm watching it in my mind. You're holding the camera. You're asking the questions behind the camera. It's very much like a one-man show. Obviously, that's not the case because now you're telling me there's more stuff. What did behind the scenes look like? You know, you have a DP. Who's asking those questions? Like all that stuff. Uh, well, I mean, when I wrote the script, I knew I was going to be quote unquote a character in the film. I was going to be the actual documentarian. You know, sort of Earl Morris esque kind of questions off frame, asking you know Mike and Nicolette and these characters. Eh. And uh, as well as- He was as, such oh, a diva, uh, I'm sorry. He was such yeah. a diva on set too. Where are my blue M&Ms? No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so I, I really got to realize how easy it is to act. It wasn't that, that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> stay lines. Um, What's your problem, guys? Just say lines. Why aren't they working? Why are millions not working? It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, so yeah, that that uh, we had there were basically two phases to the movie. There was like the the really down and dirty kind of uh, pickup phase where we'd go out and shoot. It'd be like me and the actors go out and shoot, you know, uh, some tangential stuff, if you will, that ended up in the film. And Mike and I did a lot of scenes at the at the horror or not horror fest, but the UFO festivals that ended yeah. up in the movie. <laughs> so that was very intimate and just the two of us doing that sort of stuff. Um, and then the primary kind of principal photography content, we had a crew, what did you say, about 15, 20 people. Kevin Burke was was DPing, was DPing with me on it. And of course, um, Josh Knopf's, how do you pronounce his last name? Knopf's? Knopf's. 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 Great guy, super guy. He was our first AD. And so everyone kind of filled multiple roles, but we probably had about 15, 20 people. We had a production design crew out there and um, so that was more of a proper, you know, setup and support for the principal photography portion of, out there in the desert. Mm -hmm. And um, and at the diner, we had a few locations in Apple Valley that, that we needed crude and set up and locations and all that stuff. So, but it's still very small, comparatively speaking, to a lot of projects because it is, it, but also like it's, it's way bigger than I would picture. And I'm, and that's a compliment to your film because your film is supposed to feel like, this documentarian's following this guy around and that's what it feels like. I never would have been like, Oh, I see the lights. Oh, I see. I never saw any of the magic. So you did a very good job of that. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, it was the first film that I was actually putting like wind hits in, you know, like Mike's the sound guy. So it's like, I was putting wind hits in to kind of dirty <laughs> up the sound at times. I've never done that before on the movie. That's so, amazing. So yeah, but um, but yeah, it was that sense of authenticity, realism that we were trying to maintain, which is um, you know again, so much of that is is the performances, the actors' performances, finding people that are very natural and very comfortable and operate at a higher level. They're not 
the toughest thing, one of the toughest things with acting is, is pretending there's no crew around you, right? That's part of the job of, of the bandwidth an actor has to deal with is like filtering out everything that's going on around them and being in the zone. And, and, um, and they did that wonderfully. Yes. Um, Sarab is asking, which will lead us into this, which I know you've mentioned, but um, he's saying, which desert did you shoot the movie in? Where is it? What state? Um, if you'd mention that again, and then um, Nicolette, I'd love you to talk about what it's like filming in these locations because it's not easy as an actor. We shot in Apple Valley, California, which is just outside of Victorville. Um, and uh, we also shot in a little bit in Victorville too. So we had a couple locations. And then we went to the Integraton, which was, um, that's about an hour. What is it about? Almost two hours. Yeah. And the uh, big rock is out there. Southeast of, 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 uh, of Apple Valley as well. So, but mostly it was all Apple Valley. And really quick question for filmmakers watching too, that um, how is Apple Valley Valley towards filmmakers? Was it easy? Was it, you have to pay the permits that you have to pay for LA? Like, is it? No, it was very easy. It was like, again, we had a lot of help with my buddy Ray and he was a retired cop there and he could kind of pull some strings. But I mean, we were out in the middle of the desert. We, we got permission to shoot on the property, which is privately owned, but nobody bothered us. We were That's like, awesome. you know, we were so far out of the, you know, realm of reality. No one, no one cared what we were doing out there. I mean, there's people like, I don't know, cooking meth like two miles over. <laughs> no one cares what we're doing. We actually on our on our last night we went and like met up with them and they gave us some for free. So it was really <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we got, you talk about how she dealt with shooting in the desert. That yes, was a please, large part of it. Okay, great. Uh no, but yeah, how was it like shooting in the desert? I hate it. And it's always funny to me because guys are always like, I want to shoot a movie in the desert. And I'm like, and nah, no interest <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> Jen, me and you, girl connection, <laughs> have a Zoom wine night later about it because Mike was like, I'm going to sleep in the trailer. Dan slept in this trailer. I'm like, I will be at a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even the first hotel, they kind of, you know, because it's Apple Valley, Victorville, um, and the first hotel they kind of had booked. And they're like, yeah, we think we'll be better than the Holiday Inn or whatever. The Holiday Inn, it was wonderful. But, um, and then the producer called me. He's like, so I'm changing the hotel. I just spent one night there and I thought I was going to get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, it was, it was really, it was great. It was, it was a very, I will say, um, we had so much fun on set because everyone was so in the nitty gritty. We were like out in the desert, everyone's staying in different places, you know, and we were so in it. So the set was every night during the day, it was just, it was people, no one was, no one other than Dan. Dan was the biggest diva, oh my God. I mean, he's he loves trail mix. And he's like, where's my trail mix? Um, just consistently, and he goes through it very quickly. It was overwhelming for all of us. Um, trail mix isn't the easiest thing to get when you're in the middle God. of it. <laughs> <laughs> that actually brings us to Corey's question, which is because you're really good at this improv stuff. Uh, Corey asked, "How much was scripted versus how much was improvised?" I mean, it, it was pretty well scripted. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I we had a full-on script, but you know, my but my, then you cast Nicolette and it all went out the window. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I don't need this. <laughs> Papers everywhere. Um, but yeah, I, we. It was, I mean, I think our standard approach to it was like, you know, you know, 
know your lines, memorize your lines, and then sort of kind of forget them and just kind of get into the moment. And um, I didn't, I didn't want it coming across too writerly, right? That's the, that's the, especially in a documentary style film, you want it to feel very improvised and spontaneous. So I knew I was going to be shooting multiple takes from several different angles as we were doing it. So the actors had a lot of freedom to just kind of blurt stuff out. And as long as they knew the point of the scene and, you know, certain things needed to be said, obviously, I wasn't too fixated on getting every word down. And um, but it was pretty well scripted overall. But but I encourage that improvisation whenever, you know, inspiration hit hit the actors. Yeah. Michael, is that something you normally do? You come from improv at all or was it all new to you? I hadn't done a lot of improv before the movie. I've done a lot since then. Uh, Nicolette and I are in an improv group together in LA, actually. Um, I wish I would have been more into it, but I, I think it went really well. Um, one of the things, you know, that was great about working with Dan is he really made us comfortable and we got to be such good friends, the three of us, that, you know, after a while it was, it was pretty easy to just sort of let go and and uh let things happen and and nicolette is amazing and um but i really think you know the script it was all there that and uh, what dan is saying about the script because it there was kind of a long time between getting cast and shooting the movie so there was enough time to learn the script forget the script <laughs> relearn <laughs> the script. But, uh, it it actually was beneficial it was so there's a scene that you guys have when you go to the um, UFO fair where the two guys are interviewing you. Was that written into the script or was that one of those like on the fly moments? No, that was written in. We, we, uh, I'm still a mind boggled. Every time you tell me something's written in, I'm like, no, it wasn't. No, <laughs> you lie. <laughs> no, I, part, part of my, what I wanted throughout the film was to, to sort of interject like, real ufologists, real UFO kind of folklore, references to real books and authors, and Pacific North Weird is a real, you know, a real uh, vlog uh, group. And Vince, who who runs it, um, I contacted him and said, hey, man, I know you guys. And we met a lot of people the first time we went to the UFO Fest, but, um, but I said, look, if you're going to be around, um, would you like to interview my character carl because we're shooting some scenes there and would you guys be into yourself totally man and so he came prepared to ask some questions and and it we set it up as if carl just kind of bumped into these guys in the street and um but it was a perfect scene because michael just played it totally deadpan perfectly and you know the whole point of those of those moments is to kind of show the juxtaposition of Carl's kind of seriousness about his mission and all the kind of kitschy UFO craziness that these festivals often kind of bring to bear. And, and so the irony at the end of the scene is they're calling Carl weird and their, their, their show is called Pacific North weird, you know? So, but they did a great job for us and it was a lot of fun to have them involved. Great. Uh, Sarah would like to know, uh, how many days did it take to make this film? How many days were you in the desert, Nicolette? <laughs> Great question. I remember them clearly. <laughs> I mean, we shot for about two weeks, was it? Or yeah. 
a week and a half or something like that. We were we prepped for a couple of weeks. We shot for two weeks, and then if you count like the pickup shots and all the preliminary stuff at the festivals, probably all in about a month of actual shooting and a couple of weeks prep, and then of course the the post production always takes a long time for me. It's yeah. like six months, but. Um, so from, you know, and, and then we, in the, the very early days, we had an Indiegogo campaign to raise our development funds. So probably from start to finish two years, you know, um, you know, the, the, we, when we officially like made it a, a, a go picture to, to, you know, final delivery. I think that's pretty normal too. I, I think a lot of times filmmakers get into this and they don't realize how long it will take. Like, oh, it's just a month of my time. No, it's like years of your time. Cause even once you finish the movie, then you're, you're doing the interviews, you're doing right. the distribution, you're follow, you know, it's following through. Yeah. You, know, you gotta love whatever you do. That's a good, that's a perfect point. You really have, you better be in love with this relationship. Otherwise it's a miserable relationship if you're not loving it. Cause it does demand a lot of your time and, and your thought, even when you're not at the computer editing, you're thinking about it, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, all encompassing. Yeah. One of the things I always push on uh, new filmmakers who are asking like, should I make this short? Should I make this feature? Should I make a web series? It's like, I don't even, it doesn't even matter. Just don't chase the audience. Like just do what's in your heart and it's going to, you're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. Um, okay. One more question from the audience here. We have um, Mia Sweeney would like to know which was the best scene to shoot for you guys. Go for it, Michael. Hmm. Um, well, hi Mia. <laughs> the uh the funnest scene the most fun oh boy i think probably the, the owls maybe was really fun and uh the tarantula scene was pretty fun um <laughs> I love all the least fun scenes for Gina. <laughs> and, uh, I love I love the new cut, Dan. And one of my favorite scenes is that shot of uh, Gina and Marcus on the couch at the end. Just really hit me the last time I watched it. Um, there's just there's a lot of good scenes in there, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was so fun. Oh my God. Everything was so fun. I love, I think also the biggest thing too is we got like me and Mike spent so much time together in LA when Dan would ever come out, we spent so much time together in the desert before, you know, spending time and Dan's friend that he has out there. I mean, him and his wife, we just stay at their house. They are the most incredible, most open people. Um, and so, and so in it as well. And we, I, you know, still keep in contact with them and whatnot. So I think that it all became a really fun experience. And it's kind of like, reminds me of when you go on a weird trip with someone and you guys are, you know, you go through all the waves of kind of like if you're backpacking or something like that of emotion. But I thought the most incredible one was the fire scene um, with, that was a great it was a great scene. Yeah. Great. What made it incredible? What made it incredible for you? Just the experience of it. Yes, the experience. Um, just that we really got to me and Mike really got to connect there, and we really got to. It was it was a, just a, such a pivotal moment in the film. Kind of as I came around and like 
I love you and I believe you and I'm proud of you instead of kind of just being on the backdrop and and thinking that something's wrong with you like like everybody else. Um, so I think for it was kind of a, a an odd understanding between us and it just it was really, really fun to film. That was my favorite. I love it. Um, we're gonna we're at the part of the show where we um, have a deck of cards. Each card has a word on it. Um, we are gonna just see where the conversation takes us. But Dan, you're gonna tell me when to stop, and we're gonna random word and just okay. All right. Whatever you feel it. Uh, stop. Okay. You got the word hardship. Anybody get anything come to anybody for the word hardship? What that means to you? Doesn't it be about this film? It could just be about your career or life or being in quarantine. <laughs> you can say pandemic. I mean, there is that, yeah. Um, I think, I know, related to the film, I mean, the, I mean, the hardest thing is always raising money and you never have enough cash and you wish you could pay everybody a lot of money and we could just, you know, own the world and have more days and more time. And, um, and it's, it's always pushing a boulder up a hill you know, to get these little small movies made. Um, but that's why they're so rewarding when you do, when you finally, you're able to kind of get it up on the, on the screen and you realize how all those hardships are, you do, do pay off. So, um, so yeah, outside of that and being quarantined with a wife and two kids and an aging mom. <laughs> you haven't killed I'm good. Yet, I'm, so you're good. I'm good. I thought Dan was going to talk about how he couldn't have his private personal masseuse out in the desert with him. Oh, you guys pitched a fit when we couldn't have that stretch limo out in the desert to take you back to your hotels and stuff. And that, was, was, that went on for 20 minutes. Dan used to rub sand on my face because he thought that that added to the character and really yeah. being swept up. Here, here's your makeup. <laughs> and meanwhile, he had a personal makeup artist. I mean, and to do what? I mean, the right? Was, yeah, you was, can't really improve. You know? Why? You're right. Why bother? You know, it's it's really fun to watch you guys because you can tell that you really bonded during this film because we don't normally have this sort of chemistry between you know, cast and director and it's fun to watch. It's great. Well, look, I mean, in all seriousness, they're, they're great people. I like working with great people that are super talented and look, this kind of movie demands that you can't, it's not a, it's not a nine to five gig. It's, it's not a action cut kind of movie. You got, you have to have people that when you step through into the looking glass, you're all in and, and it's, you're not sure exactly what the next scene's going to be and how it's going to to, to 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 roll out but and you can't get too bent out of shape if it doesn't happen exactly how you have it in your mind so because it never does it never does and you need people that are flexible you need a crew that's flexible um and and anyone who's sort of you know flying the ointment you gotta you gotta let them go that's my that's my motto yeah. right we tried to do it for damn we were just like he's such a fly mm -hmm. but it was kind of hard when he created you're it fly. you're fly there you go so for you actors um what are some things you could, because you guys said you're doing an improv class online, which is great. So for actors who are feeling it's really hard right now, that there's no creative outlet, um, can you give them some insight on what you're doing to stay sane and creative? We've been, Nicolette and I have actually been writing music together. Oh, um, really? Over the yeah. internet, yeah. Um, she comes up with a song and 
she'll sing it and send it to me and I'll put it in GarageBand and play guitar over it and sometimes sing too. And then we'll go back and forth. And we have, how many songs do we have so far? We have a lot. It's a wonderful process too, because right before quarantine, me and Mike had, had a show, we went up and then a guy at the show kind of ran up after us and said, Hey, we loved you guys. Do you guys want to book a 30 minute show? And we were like, yes. And it's like, you know, I think we planned for two weeks. We're like, okay, we got to get these, drill these songs in. And then um, the pandemic got um, the way that it got <laughs> right, right around, right around then. So it's been an amazing process too, to just be able to kind of exchange that with Mike. And yeah, I was in an improv group and thought of Mike and brought him in and, we used to perform and now we practice and we're going to do virtual performances soon. So it's weird. They haven't asked me to sing in any of their songs. No, Dan actually really, he, I don't know. Did it go to my email like filter or something? I don't know. You um, check your spam. Check your spam. I'm so, I'm so blown away by that because you guys didn't even know each other. Right. Before the film. Like, no. And now no. you feel like, now it seems like you're like besties. <laughs> We are. I, no. I go to Mike's house all the time. Um, even when Dan's in LA, you know, I, we just don't tell him. He's like, hey, you guys want to meet up? We're like, well, this is awkward. Um, <laughs> but, you know, hang out with Mike's family. Mike's met met all my family in Austin. And um, so, yeah, Mike and I have a really, he really does feel like uh, a brother. And that's really been accepted also by everyone in our lives. And uh, it's so, it just, I feel like I need to include him. Um, he just should be a part of a lot of the processes. Oh, I love it. Dan, what are you doing as a filmmaker to not lose your mind? I mean, Skyman's out now. So Skyman's you're not working out. on that. We were working. We were in the middle of doing a horror anthology in Florida, which we shot the first episode. I was editing and we have three more scheduled to go, but the pandemic hit. So we're sort of on hold for that. Um, we are working with a platform called Sue, T-S-U, that's launching next month, I think. And we're gonna, I thought it would be cool to hold an online um, quarantine creep show contest where people like unknown filmmakers like that are stuck at home or stuck in their yard or whatever could do like a three minute horror clip comedy or whatever. Um, and we would basically do a contest, you know, judged by me and my buddy Jeffrey Reddick, who did Final Destination, and Danny McBride, who did Underworld. We would be the judges and 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 have an online quarantine creep show, which would be fun. So we're working on that awesome. now. Hasn't been announced yet, but that's probably going to get announced in a couple of weeks. And so, yeah, and outside of that, you know, riding my bike a lot. So, you know, getting trying to get, stay in shape. Yeah. He's not a great bike rider either. That's What's a that? pretty fancy bike you got. Yeah. Pretty awesome, man. It's like it's a bug out. You tried to bike, yeah, a few times during the whole. You're not, it's just uh, not one of your strong suits, is it? No, no, it is. I'm going to be a mountain biker. I, I probably, if I don't bust my rump, I'm, I'm going to try to do the cross Washington Trail. We'll see. But Whoa. That's exhausting just hearing that. I, I know, I know, I know. Help me out of that one. It's good therapy, though. Not gonna happen, uh, Dan. Um, should we like should we prep a date and maybe we can you can film your um I don't know just your process and kind oh, of yeah. your, your growth during that. We love we 
why don't you spend your time doing that? Like a little self-documented. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's all fly fly the drone for you. Yeah, that drone right above you, Dan. Drone. <laughs> Called drone. drone man, bike man. Some more, more drone shots. For those of you on Facebook and Twitter, we have a few minutes left. If you just want to get those burning questions in, it could be about this film or filmmaking or acting in general. You've got these wonderful people here with all this great knowledge. Um, in the meantime, we're going to do one more card and see where that goes. Nicolette, why don't you tell me when to stop? Okay. Stop. Self-love. Oh, that's a good Keep one. Keep it clean. Oh, got, got some time? <laughs> Let's just kick back. <laughs> Seriously. Um, okay, so I, I was going to do therapy in an hour, but it sounds like I could just switch over Let's to right over. now. <laughs> I do think that a lot of times we, especially when we're in the middle of the filmmaking process, like I was getting exhausted and like I couldn't think straight because I had so much stuff coming at, you know, and you're making decisions and you're scheduling this, you're doing that, especially on these low budget ones where there's just too much. And we don't take that time to go, okay, my body needs a nap or, you know, my body needs to eat. Uh, are there things that you've learned through this process that, you know, you always want to do when you're on set or, you know, even in quarantine, you're like, I have to make sure I do this to stay healthy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I will say, I will say, I think self love too. I teach yoga on the side, which really helps um, a, a lot of that. And I don't teach like the, the weights yoga. I teach the, more meditation and stretch classes. Dan, I'm sorry I haven't um, been able to send you that link you've been talking about. Just it's gotten uh, really hazy for me. But um, one yeah. day I'll <laughs> let you into one of my classes. Um, and you say stretch yoga. Yes, you. It's a uh, so you stretch your body basically. Because so, I've seen all every other kind of yoga, but actual yoga lately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the other kinds. But I think yeah. that I think. Yes, I think that's really hard. I also think it's hard because self-love is so different for every person. Taking care of yourself is just, it just depends on, on the person. But I found that on, I found that on Skyman, we were so in it to the point where I actually, even though it felt good to go home and, and rest for a very, you know, while I actually, I really missed it. And I, I really wish I could have gone home for two weeks and then, could have gone back. So I think that that really works for me. And a lot of filmmakers and actors of powering through and being so in it and then being able to rest. Um, but yeah, it feels like- and Like a, not needing to go, like what's the next thing? It's like, give yourself a second. Yeah, yeah for sure. And the nature of the film too, I didn't feel, you know, sometimes you're on these huge projects and you don't even know, you don't have time to, you know, stick a, a piece of food in your mouth. You're it's so crazy, but I felt like on this production, I felt like we just watched out for each other so much and we, and, and we really bonded. So it, it didn't feel like that. That's great. It really yeah, felt that's a good family. point. I mean, I, I think one of the things I've learned over the years on any film, regardless of budget um, is, I don't know why I'm getting all these notifications. Can you guys hear that? Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. Professional. I don't know how to turn them off in, in changing my location. Professional in, uh, in Firefox, so they'll be done. These guys, huh? We're getting a li we're getting a live lesson in a tracking shot. Yes, <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, doing giving yourself a realistic schedule, um, 
where people aren't getting worked 18, 19 hour days pays off in huge dividends down the road. If you can give yourself an extra couple of days to make the, make the shoot days more reasonable. Yeah. Everyone's in a better state of mind. Everyone, you, you, your crew's healthier, both mentally and physically. Um, you know, and I, you just get a better end result on the screen. You really, really do. And, and um, so I try to, even on low budget stuff where your, your instinct, you know, you're young and you're healthy and you think you can, conquer the world right. you really want to like try to treat the crew well treat the actors well and have reasonable days so you get you spend more most of your brain energy on creative thinking rather than just exhaustion um because it's tiring enough but if you can kind of keep a realistic schedule that's that's definitely one of the best overall self-love things i can convey to to filmmakers is is, is to have that healthy set i love that that's great anything come up for you michael um, yeah, I just want to echo what they were, Nicolette was saying about how everyone looked out for each other, and uh, it was it was really an amazing experience. It, everyone connected right away, and uh, I mean, Sean, who who built the set, he was really supportive of everybody, you know, of all the different aspects of it, not just that. Everyone was working with everybody, and. Uh, you know, Dan and the producers took really good care of us. We had really good food. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you really love it and you're getting taken care of like that, it's easy to want to come back. Like, you know, it's after we were done for the day, have dinner and, you know, I'd be ready to go again. But it was like, no, just just go chill out, you know, go lay down, you know. <laughs> no, it's smart. You Mike was um, always- as we- I noticed. I noticed, Nick, like you have a lighting change. You have, do you have like a DP just off the, off frame or something? Yes. Oh, did I not mention that? Um, a big thing I've been doing to stay sane is interpretive dance videos online. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so you can find them. Just really what I feel whenever I wake up, inspired by a cup of coffee in my brain. Um, so I just constantly have a DP. It's That's- called a computer charger, Dan. Excuse me. <laughs> Not all of us have a desktop the size of, you know, a wall. <laughs> Typical. He's like, have you seen my big desktop all day on set? It's like, yeah, Dan, calm down. I got a curved screen. I got a curved screen. Oh, my God. I, got a curved <laughs> I wish we could see it. I um, edit better. So before we go, um, you guys have any final words maybe for um, actors out there or for uh, Dan, in your case, for filmmakers out there, just – a life lesson or just something you want to leave everybody with. That'd be great. Michael, we'll start with you. If you got something, a life lesson, huh? Well, um, my life lesson is to keep moving, uh, keep going forward. Things are weird right now. And, um, I think it's important to be for creative people to be creative and, and for, um, yeah, just keep working. Um, you know, I would got my first uh, feature film when I was 40. So, you know, that's the way it goes. Stick with it. Yeah. Nicolette? Uh, yes, I think we're in a time where this is the biggest lesson of all. You know, so much of life now is putting creativity in different boxes. And we don't have that excuse right now. And we can't complain that we're not getting work, um, you know, because there is none. So, I think take classes. Uh, they don't. There are so many free workshops online 
free casting director workshops. You can work one-on-one, incredible classes, do improv, write, sing, uh, paint, you know, really explore all of your creative dimensions. And this is a special time. And I think we'll, we'll always look, look back to it and think in a lot of moments when we are working, I wish I had that again. So take advantage. We'll come back. We need, we need it. (laughs) Dan. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you can keep creative people down. We, we, you know, they find a way. And um, my experience is, is like, you know, just when you think you know all the rules, someone else comes around and breaks them. And um, I'm always ex- encouraged and inspired by, you know, creative people, especially, you know, young up and coming filmmakers that find new ways to, to, to get creative with this, all these new mediums right and um so that's always very encouraging and you know for me i you i can do a lot of writing while while we're still got this downtime and um finding ways to do online kind of screen contests and stuff like that's fun i I otherwise wouldn't have probably have done that so so you'll find other ways to to find creative outlets and um and between that and you know working out for mountain bike nationals coming up in september that's what else can you do? I love this comment from Kevin. Is there a nationals? I don't even know. Is there, is there such a thing? <laughs> uh, Kevin wanted to say great advice, guys. This is a special time. Thank you. Hey, not the bike part, Dan. Not the bike part. Got yes. it. <laughs> the Next time I have, a, I have a neck brace. I'm like, ah. Dan, where are, we, where are we sending people to watch Skyman? Um, it's all out on all the major streaming platforms, Amazon and, and whatnot. It's probably the best place and, and Vimeo and those guys. Um, but you can go and to the filmmakers, website. I want to encourage you guys to buy it. Don't rent it. We have to support each other. And I always buy my indie filmmaker friends movies. It is that no matter if they're terrible or not. I want to buy them and I watch them. Yeah. <laughs> this one is not, this is a really fun one. But yeah, there's, there's a, you can get it most, all the usual suspects. So, so, and, and also leave a good rating. If you like it, leave a good rating. It also helps. helps That's true. I got to go do that. We're off. Thank you guys for spending your morning with us. You've been listening to the Intuitive Filmmaker Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, as that helps others find us, which helps us to keep delivering great content to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all of your other favorite podcast apps.